0: Bismillah, Allah, الرحمن الرحيم. Allah, 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 33 and 34. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytana rozee, bismillah, ma'amu alayhi wa'idha masa alnaas udurrun da'awu rabbuhum minibin ilayhi, thumma idha daqahum minhu rahmatan idha fariqum minhum lirabbin yushirikoon liyakfuroo bima We did do this last time, very briefly today. But when people are afflicted with any difficulty and problem, and they call upon their Lord in servitude towards Him, and then when He gives them a taste of His Rahmah, His mercy, pulls them out of that trouble, then all of a sudden a group of them, they start to associate partners with Allah. Eventually the consequence of this is that they commit kufr and disbelieve in whatever Allah has given them. So Allah says, Futmata'oon. Then enjoy yourselves for a while. Soon you'll come to know your mistake and your sin and your ungratefulness. <laughs> Or is it that we have given them any authority and then he speaks to them about what they uh, associate and partners with Allah? No, that is not the case. Allah does not give anybody the authority to speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to shirk. And when it comes to associating partners of Allah and disobeying Allah. Meaning in order to say that God wants me to do this, you need authority from God himself. If you don't have that authority, then you may want to follow the understanding of those who have been given authority. Meaning the prophets and the messengers, alayhi wa sallam. So whom does Allah appoint to be his representatives on earth? They are called the messengers. And then the prophets. The Anbiya alayhi They definitely have permission to talk on behalf of Allah. Because they receive wahi. Their proof is wahi. Revelation. That revelation becomes a sultan. It becomes a power. It becomes an authority. That authority then manifests itself in their behavior, in their learning, in their intellect, in their approach to human problems, and in their solutions to human problems. That is the proof. So when God gives or communicates with human beings, it is going to be through a process called Wahi and only Wahi which is revelation. In that he inspires in the minds and hearts of the Prophets and then they speak. And what do they speak about? They do not speak about shirk. They don't speak about associating partners of Allah. They don't speak about disobeying Allah. They don't speak about moral anarchy and they do not speak about depraved behavior What do they speak about? They speak about being close to God being close to the morals and ethics upon which God has made them meaning the fitrah which we spoke of last week in the previous ayat and they speak about meeting Allah on the day of judgment This is what they speak about They do not speak about any issue that will cause harm or destruction to individuals and to societies. This sequence of ayat and verses are leading to a phenomenon which leads to a reality of how God appoints in this world and appropriates in this world the rules of cause and effect human beings are always looking at the world in the world trying to analyze who is the player, who is the organizer, who is the agent who is the doer, who is active, who is passive and so on so eventually human beings and society will assess that if God is merciful and he is in charge, then why all these problems? Right? Kind of a very simple, within fifth grade level, understanding of dynamics, of how things work in the world. They don't do that with anything else. They only do it when it comes to God. When it comes to science, when it comes to engineering, when it comes to math, when it comes to other issues of the world and their lives, We're in charge, and this is what happens cause and effect, cause and effect. If, God forbid, there is something wrong with the world in their eyes, then they blame God. So these ayat are leading towards that discussion which will eventually climatize in ayah number 41. So this is the muqaddimah, a tamheed, an introduction to ayah number 41. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when we give men and people a taste of rahmah, mercy, and grace, they're all very happy and they rejoice. Things are going well, the weather's nice, Economy is good, people have jobs, okay? marriages are good, children are good, Education is good. They're happy. Life is good. Right? Wa but if any kind of evil befalls them, afflicts them because of what they do, أيديهم, because of what they present themselves, or in other words, because of their own failures, يخلطون, and then they lose hope. Where is God when I need Him? Where has He been? Do they not see and observe that indeed it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself alone who now gives risk and providence and provision to those whom He wants to and then He restricts providence and provision to those whom He wants to. Indeed in that there are many signs for those who believe Meaning if you look at your own lives with, through the lens of belief and iman that Allah is there and sometimes Allah will give you uh, inshallah enough sustenance and more and other times He may restrict that and take it away from you or give you in small doses and small portions. That's because He's in control. But if you have the same credentials you put in the same amount of work And you put in the same amount of effort. And you do everything the same. Then all of a sudden your paycheck is gone. Or you put in the same amount of work. And all of a sudden you get another job. Which gives you more money. Until in today's terms. Not in those days. Those days was much more volatile. Because there you have to look for your food. You have to hunt for your food. You have to work for your food. You have to wait for... The sun the moon the stars and the weather to conform with what your needs are and then you have to wait for the harvest and you have to wait for businesses to come and go and you have to wait for uh, commodities to barter with and so on so that that was a world of wait suspense in today's world we have the luxury of not being able to wait if you send up 20 resumes and you don't get a job interview, then you don't want to wait. Adam is God. Now, you lose hope. There's no hope. Where's God? I made God. I did my nothing. I gave something. I did everything that Allah says and the Quran says and the Muslims say we must do, but nothing happens. They lose hope. So Allah is saying maybe the blame should be on you. Because of what you do. So if you have belief and say, okay, maybe I should go back to the drawing board. And maybe this is Allah's way of saying, you're not in control, I'm in control. And you acquiesce at least in your mind. I'm not in control, Allah is in control. When the time is right, then Allah will open up the doors of my assistance for me. But in the meantime, I have to continue with the rule of cause and effect. What are the rules of cause and effect? That in this mundane world, we look for sustenance, food, and a job. And if it comes, it comes. In this world, we say, we make dua. If Allah accepts immediately, then he accepts. And in other worlds, like the spiritual world, we make sacrifices, we give sadaqah and charity. And if Allah accepts, and the doors open up, then it happens. Meaning, in every realm... There's going to be a cause, and there's going to be an effect. Sometimes the cause will yield the effect immediately, and sometimes the cause may not yield the effect immediately. So just because in your world the effect has not been materialized, doesn't mean to say that God's no longer in control. That's how you see this through the lens of iman. If you see it with the lens of kufr, which is what uh, hopelessness means that you don't have any hope left in God, and God's ability to provide for you, then you will be what it is the Qur'an is saying, and that is you are, either let's say the kufr or shirk, you are losing hope in Allah, and you are associating you with what Allah does, I should be in control, whereas in reality, you are never in control, you are supposed to be on a plane going to somewhere, where, in Boston or New York, and all of a sudden, your job interview goes because there's a big snowstorm there. Your plane doesn't take off. You can't get there for another three days, another five days. Who's in control of that? Not you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or your interview is cancelled. Who's in control of that? Not you. So in this, there are many signs and proofs and evidences for those who believe. The premise is always belief if you believe in allah then yes you will think this way if you don't believe in allah then you will lose hope and the more hope you lose the more uh, iman you will lose also with that state of hopelessness yeah. sometimes it might be too simplistic but this is exactly what happens. Yeah. allah now says there's another nizam that you may want to look into another system of cause and effect that you may want to look into to uh, attract divine attention and favor towards you. And that is what? So now give to the person who is your relative. If he is in need and you have extra money or cash, give him something, which is due to him. His haf is right. Right. And those who are poor and they are not related to you, Sabil and the traveller. So people are always in need of what you have. You're in need of Allah's Rahmah and people are in need of you and your rahmah. <laughs> Somebody comes up to you and says, I need help and you say, Hey look, I don't have a job, so don't bother me. Then you go to Allah and say, Allah I need money, wealth and food and such. Allah says, well, what about that person over there? He came to you and he said, you don't have anything. When you did have something, you didn't have a thousand dollars, but you had five dollars, ten dollars, you had something. You didn't give anything, so why should I give you cause and effect? Cause and effect. So now the father, those of you who know Arahant, is consequential. Look, if you want to attract divine attention from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your matters, then don't repel those who need your help. A message to those who say don't take in the Syrian refugees. As long as you are committed to being charitable, God will always be charitable towards you. That's the rule of this world. As soon as you become miserly, God will become miserable. You'll constrain, restrict, constrict everything upon you. So the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when you go out into the world and you explain this surah which has universals, then explain this also. Yes, they need, then desperate need. And if they're in need and you have the ability to help them, then you'd better help them. It is your moral duty as human beings. It is even a bigger duty as believers and Muslims. So perhaps we should call out the Muslim countries also. Say, eh, what are you doing? Right. They are your Muslim brothers. What are you doing to help them? Instead of always saying well, the West should take on the blame and the responsibility. They are your brothers. And he says, you should be doing something also. Or perhaps you should be doing everything. Wabnas Nassabee. The traveller. They are travellers, right? Going from one country to another in the cold. No refuge anywhere, no asylum anywhere, they're bouncing here and there, everything else. This is not the way. That the nizam, the system of human beings, is going to be correct and reformed. Then you wonder why everything's wrong in the world. And with your childish eyes you say, Where's God? Where's Allah? Where's God? You're not there. Why shallahu love you there? You have to be there in order to attract divine attention. You must be there to receive divine attention and attract his favor and his rahmah and so on. This is much better for those who desire to please Allah and they desire his countenance and to see his face on the day of judgment. And they are indeed those who are successful. If you want a successful world, then you must create the environment within which success can come down. If you create an environment where there is niggardly behavior, and there is violent behavior, and there is xenophobia, and there is a resistance against all human beings, especially those who have been misplaced, displaced, and bereft of any societal values, then that is not a successful community nor a successful civilization. It doesn't work that way. Then you can't blame God. You have to blame yourself. As in the previous ayah. Okay? Yeah. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the issues of the world as we see it today. These ayahs speak volumes to us now. 1400 years after their revelation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Why? Because this was spoken by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on sultan. On authority he didn't speak this through his conjecture and through his speculation or through his prediction and his, his forecasting this is what I see happening in the world in the next 14 years this is based on authority Sultan that Sultan as I said is wahi revelation from Allah Allah gives revelation and the Prophet speaks so when a prophet speaks he is speaking on behalf of Allah and Allah is saying through the Prophet this is your problem and this is your solution. Believe. When you believe, the doors of your thought open them. And if you don't believe, then you're constricted. Then you become so narrow minded that the only resort you have and retort you have is to blame God. No way is God. And not saying, very childish. Oversimplicity. And that does not create any solution for you or the people around you. وَمَا أَعْتَيْتُم مِنْ رِبًا لِيَرْبُوا فِي أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَعْتَيْتُم مِنْ زَكَاتٍ تُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now addresses the issue of riba that you are now going to charge people a financial burden for their distress and for their problems, and you are going to exploit their situation in such a way that is inhuman So whatever you give to people of RIBA, which nowadays you may translate if you want as interest, so that it grows in the wealth of people. I mean you invest and you want to grow your wealth and your capital and you gain money in every quarter and you make millions and billions and sometimes trillions and all of that money is in your coffers and you say that we don't have money to give to anyone else. Allah says, you're in the Allah. That doesn't grow in Allah's eyes. You may have profit through whatever infrastructure and uh, you know, financial instruments you have created, and you may be very successful. And you may be millionaires and billionaires, it doesn't matter. If you are a millionaire and a billionaire, then what's stopping you from giving those who don't have anything on the streets of your own country? Now you say, where's God? He's not going to be with you. Right. Mass exploitation is one of the reasons why human beings are suffering in the world. The problems of the world are mostly man-made. They're not God-made. It there's a cause and effect. If you take a gun and you kill somebody who's nine years old in the streets of Chicago, you can't blame God for that. It's cause and effect. You shoot, the girl will die. Likewise, if you have millions and billions in your coffers and people are suffering and they're homeless and they are suicidal or depressed or they're hungry, then that's not God's fault. You, as a human being, you have a responsibility towards that person also. Hakkahu. That's his right. Why are you blaming God? You waste so much in the world that you don't want to spend even what you waste on those who are hungry. You'd rather waste food, dump it in the ocean, than do what? Feed the hungry. Because you want more money. riba. You want growth in your capital. You want more and more and more. And you deprive others to gain more. And then when you die, you don't take anything of that with you in the This is the message of the Quran. This surah, this surah speaks volumes to what has happened to human beings over the past century. You become, you become greedier and greedier, and you've taken away all the values of charity from within you. Now you may give a thousand dollar donation here, then ten thousand dollar donation towards an endowment, and you may build your hospitals and you know your. Endowments for the, uh, the arts and endowments for uh, colleges and universities. And universities may have billions dollar endowments. But around the university, there will be people who are struggling with life. And you say, This is success. But now, in the eyes of Allah, there's not growth. This is loss, this is deficit. You're not doing what human beings used to do and they should do. So this is how Allah min zukatin, turidun, And whatever you give of zakat to purify yourself and your wealth and also grow your wealth in the eyes of Allah okay. and you seek Allah's countenance and his pleasure by doing this, then they are the other ones who will be given increase and they will increase manifold, Mudatul because you have taken into account
1: the holistic
0: system of the world, not just an economic premise of the world, or financial system of the world. They have taken into consideration the whole of humanity and the whole of the human civilization that it is my responsibility to feed somebody who has come to my doorstep and has no food. This not zakat meaning this zakat, this word zakat doesn't mean the technical zakat of Islamic law it means zakat in a very universal way it's a civilizational code what is zakat? the zakat is that you want to purify yourself your wealth and you want to grow you and your wealth in such a way that you're helping others in the process that when I give ten dollars to somebody who needs food I have grown spiritually, psychologically, economically and definitely Islamically I'm sharing what Allah has given me for the sake of Allah and that person's need will also be fulfilled through this process so Islam's response is not a childish one immature one, myopic one it is a very holistic one there is cause and there is effect if people are dying because of hunger then somebody is responsible somebody and that is your duty as human beings now to behave in such a way that you, you want Allah's rahmah and you're seeking Allah's pleasure and countenance and God's now trust and God's proximity through this behavior, which is a very simple formula. It's not difficult to comprehend. You might not, you might not balance your, your books or your, your checkbooks or your account or your budget. Okay. right? It is not raw economics, it's not micro and macro economics. It is very simple human behavior. And when you start on this theory, through the, the ingenious fiqh that the fuqaha of this ummah understood from day one, and what is that? That if somebody in your local neighborhood needs zakat money, you give that zakat money to him first. Or if your relatives need zakat money, then you must give zakat money to your relatives first. You do not export it halfway across the globe to help another cause. They say it's makuro. It's accepted legally, but there's no reward in it. Right? Community, neighborhood economics come first. And that's how you develop the community. Each community will be responsible for its own maintenance. And that's how we survived and thrived in the past. Nowadays, unfortunately, because of globalization. Every Muslim cause in the Ummah is now every Muslim's cause. does Doesn't work that oh, way. You know you have a relative who needs your money much more than anybody else in the world. So why don't you give to your relative? I don't like him. That's the problem. You're not seeking Allah's pleasure. You're seeking your own pleasure. If I give to my relative, I won't be happy. And I'll give to this cause 10,000 miles away, I'll be happy. Then you're not giving zakat for the sake of Allah. You're giving zakat for your nafs. I want to feel happy. About giving zakat. For you. Maybe you should get over it. Then you'll have plenty. And you will increase yourself and your, your wealth manifold, this is the solution to the Muslim ummah, very simple it's not simplistic okay. and if you go back to the roots of who we were, what we were uh, before colonization you'll see this actually worked this method of following the fiqh, right, actually worked until, mashallah, we became so uh, disciplined and organized and people who had no education that you know, this is this uh, those old-school ulama, they didn't know anything about the world. Is that why they ruled? Four thousand years. Whereas you've had 120 years to rule, you don't rule the deadly squad. Right? You can't rule your own house, never mind the ummah. So maybe you should listen to the classical scholars. and They were geniuses. They understood Allah's kalam. They understood Wahi. they understood the Prophet and they understood the Deen. And that's why they were successful. But unfortunately nowadays, the more money you have in your bank, the more successful you are. Very mechanical, very robotic. There's no human element into what you do in your life anymore. It's all robotic, it's mechanical. This is what you do, this is how much you earn. If you have this much left at the end of the year, alhamdulillah, and God forbid if you have anything less, you see it was a failure. But did you see that God still provided for you? And how many people did you feed? And how many people did you provide for? And when you look at yourself through that lens of Iman and Islam, then you say, maybe I was a failure. I didn't help anybody. I didn't help anybody at all. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the whole of humanity as one. Allah is the one who has created you and then he provided for you. All of you as one single unit, one single body as human beings. Then he will give you death, cause you to die and then he will cause you to be living again, resurrected. Is there anyone from your partners and your allies, corporate partners, business partners, political allies, whatever allies you want, who is now going to do this for you at all? Min shay anything that is remotely similar to what Allah has done for all of humanity since the time He created the first human? So you're not God. Don't assume you are God. Allah, he creates, and then he provides, and then he gives death, then he will recreate you again. This is the order that you must understand if you're going to be successful in this part of your life, which will be followed by another part of your life in the grave, another part on the day of judgment. This is what you must appreciate if you're going to feed the world and save the world. He must believe in Allah, his ability to provide for all human beings at all times as one unit. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, amma yashukun, glorified is he, he is most exalted. And he rises way above whatever it is they associate partners with him and through him. Meaning there is no comparison between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his creation. His creation will always be separate from Him as there is no contrast and there is no comparison. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the whole issue of what happens in the world in this ayah, which is a phenomenal ayah, and we must appreciate from wahi. Before we try to analyze it through whatever means we have, gauges we have through our studies of the humanities and the arts and science, we must understand it from the lens of prophethood this ayah. So, what you do is you take off your, your caps of whatever education you have, put on your cap of Iman, believe in Prophet Muhammad, read this ayah, and it is clear, crystal clear, what the problem is and what the solution is. Facade, corruption, commotion, chaos, has appeared and become prevalent on land and also in the sea because of what people have earned. Because of people's actions, this is where the chaos, commotion, corruption is. Right? Now you analyze this. What is the cause? That The cause is human beings and their actions. What is the effect? Commotion, chaos, and corruption. Mm-hmm. Who created this cause and effect? Allah. Just as Allah created the laws that govern the universe, Allah has created the laws that govern you. So, in the universe, through your science, there's universals, laws. Okay? The laws of gravity, the laws of this, the laws of that. And they work. Okay? They synchronize themselves. And they work for Muslims and non Muslims the same way. There's no difference. Likewise, if you want to understand the science of human beings, and the science of human existence is a cause. What is that? Human behavior. Human action is a cause. What is the effect? Either is going to be good or bad. If there is evil in the world, in this world, who causes it? You do. Not God. Why? Because even if you analyze it from your scientific lens and you say, well, but when water boils at 100 degrees, why does it boil? Then you say, oh, there's a symbol, a molecule, a like, bubble, up, like, you know, steam. But right. you're a basic one one understanding of why water boils. Likewise, when you want to analyze, why does now uh, human uh, uh, failure boil at this temperature? It's so, a cause and effect. So God created that cause and effect system, and he has created this cause and effect system it has to do with you. The water will not boil unless you put the water in the, in the jug, in the kettle, and on the stove, and you turn on the heat. Will it? It won't. Unless you're a of Allah and you look at it. But you don't believe in that system. You're atheist. You don't believe in such a system of karamat and mujizad and miracles. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, say, no, this is cause and effect, this is very cogent. One plus one must equal two. So, why don't you afford apply the same analysis to this human being's boiling at this temperature? Well, we didn't do it. Who did it then? It wasn't Allah. It was you. Because of what people they turned on the switch. And they put the water on the stove. And they turn the gas on. And they lit it. And then this is what happens. It boils at this temperature. Cause and effect. And this is the way you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing. The whole of mankind is that if there is facade on earth, it is because of helium. Somebody must have initiated that process in order for the effect to come by. If nobody initiated that, then, then you can say Allah did it. But the fact is, you initiated it. Through your actions and your behavior and your disobedience and your disbelief. In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then Allah says that there's another nidham. Okay? Why does Allah allow this to happen? لِيُذِيقَهُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا So that He may give them a taste of some of the effects of their actions. Some of Allah says in the ayah in the Quran: If Allah was to punish people because of their zulm and their injustice and their sins, then He would not spare a single creature on earth. If He wanted to implement and apply His nizam, His system of divine retribution, then you would not be spared. Not only you, but neither your cattle. Nor the creatures that live around you and with you. But he doesn't do that. So he withholds his system of divine justice and allows this system of cause and effect in the world to happen so that he gives you tastes taste of what could happen. وَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ And he gives you hope so that they may return to him. They may come back and they may make tawbah. Allah now gives the analysis. He gives the uh, what do you call it, cause and effect value, and he also gives a prognosis, and he leaves a door open for hope. But nothing is without or underneath. Uh, nothing escapes the umbrella of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's rahmah and eventual return of man to Him. If man chooses to return to Allah, then this will be lifted. Why? Because then you will initiate khair, goodness in the world. You will stop and not initiate the sharr, evil in the world. So instead of boiling the water and turning the switch on and the kettle then watch, sit down and say no, this water we are now going to control. If we need warm water or hot water then we'll use it only in constructive ways, not in destructive ways and then we will serve human beings what they need in order sustain themselves and serve themselves and become happy in this world this is the other process that you can initiate the system of khair, it's in your hands totally, because that's what you believe in as I said, if you believe in Allah, then you believe Allah does everything if you don't believe in Allah and you want to say that I want to be in control then take control and be the good person that you can be and you should be but if you're going to deny people uh, basic needs and necessities then this is going to happen now this is mentioned throughout the Quran through the stories of Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun right through those stories Allah says the same thing over and over again look at the people of Ad and Thamud they were huge they were giants they were superpowers and they controlled the resources of the world and of the earth, that they deprived others, they monopolized, they exploited, and look what happened to them. Look at the story of Fir'aun, who was the tyrant ruler. Look at the story of the people of Sha'ib, that they were commercial giants. They were so busy and happy with whatever they did, that they took no notice of anybody else in the world except themselves. And it just about me, me, and me. What happened to them? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that, uh, that the, the people of Sha'ib um, were also destroyed the way the people of Thamud were destroyed. So this uh, summarizes all of that. That if you want peace and success in this world, perhaps a little bit of introspect is in order to look into your own actions. Really? As I said, there are corporations in this country that could very easily feed countries in the world. That's not an understatement. That's not an understatement. You know that more than I do. I don't look at those facts and figures, but I know this for a fact. There are corporations in this country that are richer than countries in the world. And they could sustain countries. But why don't they do that? Cause and effect. Then you wonder why nothing happens in the world. This ayah says, because of what people do. And if people do this, then this should be addressed at the universal level. When you go out and meet people and say, hey, wait a minute, wait. without causing any kind of uh, consternation or discomfort in, in the minds and ears of people that you speak to, you must say, What about this? Yeah. We're not saying that we should overthrow the US government or the federal government. If that happens, we will be here. <laughs> that would be the end of our lives as we know it. Right? So that's foolish. We're not saying that. We're not saying that there is a military now uh, solution to this. Oh, there's an economic solution. It's a very simple, straightforward human solution. Somebody needs my help, that's why they're asking me and no one else. Because they know I'm able to help. And if you deprive that person, then Allah will say, وَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا To the Prophet ﷺ. At the very beginning of his mission, that if anyone comes and asks you for something, then don't drive him away. Don't shun him. This is the prophetic code. Yeah. this is the code of all prophets if somebody comes to and asks you for help you never say no so I can help you this much if it's one dollar it's one dollar if it's a dua it's a dua if it's a kind word it's a kind word if it's reassurance it's reassurance that is what you do as human beings you don't say that we don't want to help when you close that door Allah will close the other doors and that's cause and effect so the solution is not to be bigot and to be proud for reasons that we should not be proud for. The solution is that follow the code of a prophet. And since the only prophet we can follow now is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it is in the code of following the sunnah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Behave the way he behaved and behave the way the Sahaba behaved. And make sure that the, you know through your iman. This is the only solution you believe in. The only solution you believe in. That is enough. Even that is sadaqah. Nowadays. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Guide us to what he wants us to do. In this world in such a way. That he is pleased with us. When we meet him in the other world. sha'ala. sallallahu wa